This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 77 of Total Saints Podcast. We're now a couple of weeks into the off-season and while a large piece of me is enjoying the feeling that uh, we don't currently have the nerves and pressure of watching and following Saints, an equally large piece is probably starting to miss it just a little bit. Anyway, to hopefully fill the void somewhat, we're back with a short, snappy podcast as I'll be talking with the man behind Black Shark Media and the recent Saints kit launch video, James Kibbe. Before we catch up with James, who is of course a massive Saints fan like most of us, there has been some new TSP patrons sign up over the last couple of weeks since episode 76 via patreon.com slash totalsaintspod. So in no particular order, a big thanks to Jason Berthasi and also Mark Barton-Lee for supporting the podcast and becoming TSP patrons. We really appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. Right, James is here. James, welcome back to the pod. It's nice to have you with us again. We, um, of course, spoke a couple of uh, years ago, I think it probably was now, uh, after the Made for Heroes campaign. This year it's been about a, a mockumentary, if we can call it that, around the Fire Festival. For those, including myself, I guess, uh, that didn't know much about the Fire Festival before the last couple of weeks, tell us about the original story behind it. Yeah, the Fire Festival was a was a Netflix um, documentary. I don't know if I have to explain what Netflix is for some people, but um, obviously, yeah. I think we're all right yes. there. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's assume that that knowledge. There was a documentary that came out which basically told the story of this um, pretty successful young businessman who had this idea to throw a festival on a deserted island in the Bahamas. The documentary followed the process as everything kind of fell apart. You know, he raised a a whole load of money. 
got all these uh, sort of social media influencers involved, but they just didn't have the the infrastructure um, in place to, to to pull it all off in the end, and it all collapsed in a in a big heap. Um, and it made for a very entertaining uh, documentary. So when did you first hear about the festival? Literally, my phone rang one night and, well, I wish I never picked up. <laughs> did you get that, me sliding in? Might be quite fun at the top. Yeah, he seemed professional and, and confident. Almost like he belonged there. That's right, let's take these off. I get to have them on sometimes. It's like a second face. In football, we like to dream. I could hold that there at the top and then just pop in. He was a nightmare. Well, my name is Billy McFarmer. Um, let me start off by saying I'm a visionary and I don't apologize for that. Come on, man. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an event Svengali. <laughs> I am also the CEO of Double M Media, or... Mm. <laughs> I also love to laugh. And, and look, I think most Saints fans will know that you're very creative, James. You've obviously been involved uh, a lot with the club over the years. I'm sure there's a million and one ideas going through your head at any one time. But I guess the question was then, how did you and the sort of team come up with the idea around sort of making it in, in line with the Fire Festival from a, a kit launch point of view? So this is actually our fifth kit launch in a row. Now. Yeah. Um, first one being Barry Gale back in uh, 2015. And on that one, we worked with a company called Mischief PR, who are a PR agency in London. And again, on this one, they came to us and said, we've got this idea to do something around the Fire Festival. Have you seen it? And I said, yes, I've seen the documentary. And I had reservations, um, as, <laughs> as I did, as I did with, with the Barry Gale thing initially when they said they wanted to make a mockumentary. I was kind of like, well, I'd had these ideas back then of Graziano Pella as James Bond. I remember. And, and so I was, you know, but that's, that's kind of a, di- a different story. Um, you're still desperate for that to happen one day. I can tell, aren't you? I know. <laughs> I keep believing just me and Graziano and a, and a film camera. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so the, the nub of the idea was, was Fire Festival. And then obviously, you know, with Fire Festival being essentially a very public disaster, that was my first reservation <laughs> about it. Like, you know, we, you know, we are setting ourselves up for a big fall here, potentially mm. with the subject matter and, and a very easy thing for people to throw back in your face, basically, mm. in terms of how, how the Fire Festival turned out. So, um, yeah, that was the kind of first concern. But then, and, and the second concern was when we first started talking about the idea, Saints were very much still in the, the grips of a relegation battle. And, yeah. and we, we all had a very honest meeting and said, there is no way we can uh, put this out. If, yeah. <laughs> if we, you know, because the idea right from the start was, was to go out with it in the week after the, the final game of the season. And, yeah. you know, we looked at each other and said, "There's, there's just no way you can, you can put this out, or, or probably anything comedic, you know, yeah. a few days after potentially uh, having been relegated." So, so there were some nervous early weeks of, of pre-production. Mm. As the schedule was, I had to go off and, and start writing the script for it, um, yeah. knowing at that stage, like it, it might never see the light of day. But that's, you know, that's sometimes. Uh, was often with with working with football clubs, you know, um, with several of the projects we've done, you don't know what the climate's going to be like mm. um, 
when you shoot the film, you don't know what it's going to be like when you release it in terms of whether you've just lost five on the bounce or whether you've, you know, just won a game, just beaten Man U or something. So, um, you kind of have to just try and ignore that and, and, and press on and do your job and, and, and hope that it's, uh, and cross your fingers in the weeks before, uh, crucial releases and everything. So, yeah, so we said about, writing the script and, and that I guess that process is really firstly trying to distill what made the fire festival documentary appealing and interesting and memorable you know what were the kind of touch points that the people who had seen it would remember yeah. and how can we weave those into something that's going to be 10th 15th of the length of of the fire festival documentary itself you know yeah. we were working in the kind of five six seven minute range and so you've got to try and uh, and just bring out some moments that people could relate to if they've seen it and and equally you've then got to be able to make it work for people who have no idea what the fire festival is don't yeah. have you know don't have apple tv or netflix you know um people, uh, like, people like me people like yourself <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's got to work on those levels and then obviously weaving in the the kind of in jokes and and nods to things that saints fans will get things that you know the like barry gale the hope was from the start that, that it would break out beyond just saints fans into a wider football audience wider sporting audience and hopefully you know and, and people who perhaps aren't even into either but have seen the fire festival or like a like a bit of a laugh or whatever so um yeah. So you've got to make sure it kind of works for as, as wide an audience really as, as possible, um, but still serving your core audience, which is which is Saints fans. So, yeah, that was the kind of first port of call. And so I go off and write a script and then share that with the agency and with the club. And um, and then, you know, it's two, three, four drafts of that. Um, and I think by the time we got to shoot, it was probably a fifth draft of the script, I reckon, that we took into the shooting of it. To make the dream happen, we had to find the right club. This is Liverpool Football Club. Please press two and continue to hold. Hello, Portsmouth Football Club. Oh, what a gross wrong number. Good morning, Southampton Football Club. Yeah, can I be put through to Ralph Hasenhutl, please? It's Mbili McFarmer. He's expecting my call. Sorry, can you spell that, please? Yep, M-B-I-L-L-Y. Okay, hold the line, please, Millie. Ralph wouldn't take my calls. So we pivoted. It's Ralf Hasenhurl. It's the boss man. Really? Yeah, what's up? Okay, what's going on? Right, picture this. You on a beach with Taylor Swift. Yeah, but you are thinking too small time, Trousy. I am talking you on a beach. Free click masterclass slash coconut chai slash fireworks display. Look, it's Thursday for one hour maximum. Just one hour. Yeah. So will you be there? Hang on, wait. This is definitely Ralph, right? Yeah. And how, how much poetic license do you and the, the sort of mischief PR guys get? Or do, do Saints, I mean, I know that uh, the media guys down there are very interactive and obviously do a great job of promoting social media within the club, James. So do they like to get quite actively involved in helping you drive this or do they kind of leave this to you as the experts? To be honest, like getting to do these kind of films for, for myself, being a Saints fan since I was a, a kid, is is pretty much like being, you know, let loose in the toy shop. It, it, it is such a <laughs> great job, but but it's not just because I'm a Saints fan. It is because they, they, as a club, they are prepared to be. You know, you've seen it. You've seen it with the content that has been put out over the last five six years, and they're prepared to be very brave and mm. uh, 
and a little bit different, um, you know, almost this kind of like challenger brand position of, you know, they're not one of the big six or whatever, but you, but I think in terms of their media output, they're as, they're as good as anyone. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, better than pretty much anyone. Well, I, I'm biased, but, <laughs> but you know, they, they certainly like when, when Southampton released something, people sound up and take notice, you know, the, the Stuart Taylor stuff, which was done by, by the media guys yeah. and plenty. I mean, they do great stuff, um, um, in house and then, um, and then the kind of other projects that likes of us and, 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 um, other guys get brought in for. It, it, I mean, it's one thing kind of signing off an idea at the start for something, you know, something like a fire festival parody. Mm. It's then holding your nerve through that kind of end of the season weeks where they could have easily at, at any point after some of those games where, you know, it was looking, obviously the, the situation was improving, um, yeah. by the game, but at, at the kind of crucial point of pre-production, but, um, it's seeing it through to release and not going, oh, just before you release it, go, oh, let's take out this, that and the other. Obviously, there's, mm. the, there's the odd thing that has to go for whatever reason. But to be honest, like they're, they're so, yeah, trusting of, of the process. And I, it probably helps the fact that being a Saints fan, they kind of, I, th- I think they trust my judgment enough. And then they've, they've just got some great people there, you know, all the way up the chain who have got a good track record now over the last four or five years of, of releasing great, great material. So, um, no, it's, it's actually a relatively painless process in, in that sense. We'll come on to talk about the manager in a minute, but quite a few of the, the players are involved, Redmond and Angus Gunn and Danny Ings and Meyer, of course. So the filming in general, then is it, is it always good fun and a laugh or do these guys get quite serious when you're uh, telling them what to do, James? Well, as I, as I touched upon the working with football clubs, it, it, it's based a lot on, on recent results, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that, that's going to affect, you know, rightly so. That's the, that, that's the most important thing. And so the atmosphere is going to be affected by the results in the days before you, you, you have the shoot day. So I'm always quite nervy, yeah, yeah. quite nervy. And I think I was actually at the, you know, at the game before, um, before we shot. So I had a sort of. Are you allowed to divulge what game that was roughly when you uh, shot it or? Well, I went to the Wolves game and I certainly remember that being right, right from early on. That was, that was kind of considered to be the kind of D day of like, there's yeah. going to be a kind of call made after the Wolves game of like, yeah. do we feel good about it? And, um, you know, and when Redmond scored after like two minutes and I was <laughs> in the Northern stand, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm so the season went downhill after you filmed it then basically, right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, um, when did we shoot? We actually ended up shooting really, really late on. So the post production, um, was really, um, was a really quick turnaround because we yeah. shot, we had two shoot days and one of them was, um, the week before the West Ham game. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was the week after the West. So the week in the build up to Huddersfield basically. But, yeah. you know, the shoot days were a very kind of fluid picture until, quite late on once we knew that we were safe then everything became a lot easier basically so um and as it happens the the shoot day we did with the players was the one um a few days before the Huddersfield game and and um yeah they were as kind of relaxed as as I've ever seen them um as as you can imagine you know um so we did two shoot days the first one was just with our actors so we had a few locations across Southampton Mm -hmm. Started in um, the hotel with sort of the interview segments that kind of open it up with Umbilly was all shot in um, the uh, actually the cricket ground uh, hotel. So right. um, and 
Yeah, it was a bit of an ominous start when uh, the fire alarm went off about five <laughs> minutes before we were due to shoot the first shot. And so everyone, you know, like fire alarms go off and everyone just stands there and thinks, oh, it's obviously a test or whatever, and it and yeah. it just going. And so suddenly we all found ourselves out in the car park, <laughs> and it's like nervously looking at my watch, thinking this is not good. <laughs> after that and uh so we did all the stuff with with just our actor who was who's fantastic mm. tom sturt and who's done a bunch of really good stuff and um i always get really nervous around casting because that that same with barry gale like sort of uh, makes it or breaks it does it really it actually does you kind yeah. of look back at the project afterwards um and and just sort of shudder to think if you'd gone another way with casting like mm. you know, it could have just totally collapsed so mm. be lucky on 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 both counts to have um both guys called tom actually <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sticking with actors called Tom. Uh, but, <laughs> no. uh, yeah, so we did that, and then the second shoot day was um, was the kind of big one down at Staplewood. I mean, we must have shot, I don't know how many days we've shot now with Southampton over various projects in the last five years. It must be, well, it must be getting towards 30, I reckon. Mm. And this was the hard, this was the kind of, it wasn't daunting, but it was certainly on paper, it had, it had, the most um, challenging aspects to it because we had, I think, six players, um, all with quite, you know, tight time slots. We mm. had new kit factor and that being obviously a closely guarded secret at the time and quite, you know, a big crew and everything involved. We were green screening as well, which yeah. is a kind of technical thing. And then we had uh, a unit move from the indoor dome to the auditorium to then shoot with all the staff and Ralph, you know, and doing this sort of essentially, you know, Tom, the actor had to present live to Ralph and, and the staff in that kind of scene where he presents his trailer. So, and yeah, there was a lot that, that could have gone wrong on that day and, and, uh, and everything pretty much went, went to plan. So it was, uh, really good fun actually. And, and yeah, as I said, the players were great. I mean, you can kind of get a sense of it from both the film and, and the sort of behind the scenes piece. Like, um, they were relaxed. They were enjoying it. And, you yeah. know, I've worked with a few of them before and, and yeah, as always, you kind of like, you put the sillier stuff on the, on the actor himself and, and you don't ask too much of the players. But they're always, you know, they're really up for it. We showed them, I think, the rough cut, you know, on the laptop so they could mm. see. We'd already cut the stuff from the first day, um, the week before, so they could kind of see that, you know, Tom was funny and that it was going to be, you know, it was going to work. And yeah. uh, Well, at least I hope that's what they did. <laughs> so, so that kind of, like, relaxed everyone. And, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. Well, here's that clip that you're uh, speaking about where uh, Tom, a.k.a. M. Billy, is presenting to Ralph and the staff in the media centre. Dreams! We all got them. You do? You do? Even you, son. Boop. But how often do we get to dream with our eyes open? <laughs> Peekaboo. I could talk all day, but the film we're about to show you really says it all. So I'll just leave you with this. Anyone could launch a kit, but not everyone can launch a dream. You know, in 20 years, people are going to look back on this moment and say, where were you? Oh, and what football kit were you wearing? This song will go a thousand miles away. Where the skies are blue, nothing is the same. 
if your faces could speak right now. What was that? The film, did you like it too much, Ralph? These ideas are horrible. Shane Long Island iced tea. Cheese Heuberger's. What is Matt Lattice? Matt Lattice? He's big in the 90s. He's kidding, right? We don't need some big, crazy fanfare. We just need our fans. You just need your fa You narrow-minded people. Excuse me? You heard me, Ralph. So, this is Billy McFarmer. I'm being ill-awfully bad-handled. My arm is being squeezed really tight by... Maria. By Maria. And I'm being escorted off the president's. He's crazy, right? But that kid looks good, no? And can we see that bit again? So yeah, in terms of Ralph then, uh, James, obviously he probably deserves an Oscar for his performance in terms of keeping Saints up this season and uh, arguably another Oscar performance there in your uh, your clip as well. So what was it like working with him and I guess for a guy that is very you know intense and focused quite often, giving him orders and telling him what you wanted to do, how did he sort of rat to that? Yeah, he was he was great. I mean, we'd done something with him about a month before for the season ticket sort of renewal film. So we'd, we'd met him then and he was... Um, and he was great. He was really good there. Obviously, he was he was playing it straight there. He was just sort of talking very honestly in that film. But yep. you know, he he came back later and started nicking the crew's Maltesers and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell he had a a good sort of sense of humour and a spark about him. And as I said already, that was the last scene that we had lined up to film, and you know, potentially the most daunting because you know we had all the other staff there as well, and you know, you're aware of their time uh very kind of loud ticking clock in your ear when you've got all those people there because that's not you know it's not their job they're kind of giving up their time to yeah. to appear in something they don't really know what you're kind of doing with it they're just sort of appearing to do this this scene they've been asked to do yeah 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 so we were due to film with ralph and then we you know we, we were heard that oh he's stuck in a meeting because some people won't know this, but he's not actually an actor first and foremost. His <laughs> job as a football manager, so oh, he was, uh, <laughs> you know, in a meeting doing important footbally stuff. And um, so he was actually about forty-five minutes later than we were thinking. So we had to sort of switch our shots around and sort of shoot. And Billy doing a lot of the presenting stuff first and everything, and that was all fine. Mm-hmm. So he eventually turns up, and you think, oh, well, this is obviously the most crucial bit now because this is the end of the film yeah. um, not not only our last shot but this is kind of going to be the end of the film and it's kind of got to work and he was great like all the top football managers he's just so well prepared mm. and he didn't just come in and think oh, i'll wing it or whatever or even worse just like oh what's going on you know what am i you know what do you want me to do you know he clearly seen the script he looked at it he thought about it he seemed to get the kind of tone we were going for and as soon as Tom had done one kind of take of it in front of him, you could tell he was, yeah, I think you can actually see in the final film, if you look closely, him trying to sort of suppress a laugh when Tom gives <laughs> his book on the nose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe that's why he was late. He was spending 45 minutes in his office practicing in front of the mirror or something. But I mean, it paid off. We only did, I think we did two takes with him. And he yeah. just, as that, um, the guys on Five Live said, you know, he's, he deserves a BAFTA for it. And, <laughs> And it, you know, that it could have, you know, any one part of that film, you know, could have let the whole thing down. Mm. And, and if Ralph had been, 
you know, not prepared or not up for it or, you know, even not as talented an actor, you know, <laughs> all falling apart right at the end. So yeah. um, I'm very grateful for him being such a good sport and the other guys, you know, Kelvin, Forbes and all the other mm. guys in that scene for uh, for giving up their time. And it, and it was, yeah, again, it was just a, a good fun scene to shoot um, and a nice way to uh, to end the shoot. Yeah. And you obviously said at the outset of this sort of conversation that you were quite nervous about the draft and the general sort of storyline and that sort of thing. In terms of the final production then, James, particularly from a sort of Saints fans point of view, I know it's gone wider than that, but you you sort of happy with how it's been uh, reacted to? Yeah, obviously, I mean, the big challenge for me personally was Barry Gale you know mm. having done that project in 2015 and that really kind of taken off and and you know that got a life of its own and that you know ended up with Barry Gale being on the pitch at halftime in that Aston Villa yeah the 6-1 yeah. demolition wasn't it yeah, exactly. right. yeah I remember yeah yeah so that just, you know, that went bonkers and, and, you know, and that was obviously, you know, and then we did follow up films with, with Barry Gale and, um, and Europe and everything. And, um, mm. so that, that sort of made, made a rod for our own backs in terms of trying to do comedy again. Obviously, you know, made for heroes, the animation had a little sort of the odd joke in it and stuff, but it wasn't yeah. out, out comedy. And, um, so to, so to do something comedic again was a challenge and one that I, yeah, I was, I was quite nervous about. And so, right from the start we wanted to make sure that the kind of i guess a the look and feel of it was very different so we were trying to shoot it in a very different way barry gale was kind of the office star we were looking to you know this sort of more cinematic netflix mm -hmm. style this time round, and then trying to cast someone who who felt very different who was like you know barry gale was a kind of likable loser type figure we wanted mm -hmm. someone who was a bit more like slick cocky mm -hmm. you know, perhaps even unlikable but <laughs> still who you could still kind of you know like as an anti-hero or whatever or like you know laugh with or at yep. or, as long as you're laughing <laughs> <laughs> that's um, the main thing yeah. exactly so you get it all done and then um comes to d-day and you just don't know you just don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. uh, and as i've already said you know there's that nervousness around the you know the subject matter of the fire festival and this kind of grand failure <laughs> mm, yeah yeah uh, so that there was definitely that in the, in the in the back of our minds, and then kind of hit go time at 10 a.m. on the Friday morning or, or whatever it was. And you've obviously then got mixed into that. You can't forget that what you're doing here is launching a kit, and the kit is the thing that fans first and foremost are going to be most interested in. Yeah. Um. And that's a whole kind of separate separate issue from making the content. The first you know reactions you get in the in that first hour two three you know are quite heavily kit based and obviously rightly so um and so it takes a few it probably takes sort of four or five hours for the whole picture to kind of settle down and you know you get the people who just sort of freak out at, at anything <laughs> yeah and then it kind of settled down we just started to get some really good press coverage and then there was one really not good press coverage and then thinking was it always oh, it all going to go the other way and then, <laughs> but then you know it, it clearly like it was overwhelmingly positive and mm. to see it on the the BBC Sport homepage, which is incredible for yep. like brand content, they just don't cover that kind of stuff. And um, and considering that's that's pretty much the only website I ever visit, <laughs> but you know, good to see that. And then um, yeah, like Match of the Day and Sport Bible, and um, yeah, and it just really took. I think that we're in the region of kind of seven million views across social. Yeah, that's good. It went viral, as they say. So yeah, and just I mean, obviously, lots of people will have seen that it caught uh, the eye of quite a few people around the world, as you mentioned there, and. Uh, not least Brazilian legend Roberto Carlos. So what was your immediate thought to that? And, and obviously you mentioned the feedback in general. So yeah, I, I think just in terms of uh, particularly him seeing it, and I mean, it's bizarre where these videos end up and the type of people you see commenting on stuff these days, isn't it? 
Well, it's it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, that's that's kind of you know, you know, social media can be an absolute curse. But when you get when you get little moments of gold like that, yep. where uh, you're suddenly sort of looking flicking through the Twitter feed, and you you almost see how you have to double take, you kind of <laughs> like. He's got the blue tick and everything, and it's like yeah. a fish of Roberto Carlos who used to kind of play, you know, FIFA as or whatever, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and there he is kind of, yeah, giving giving a name chat and, and posting the link to uh, yeah. to the Fire Festival. Yeah, and I think he had, what, two and a half, roughly two and a half million followers or something, didn't he? So in, instantly that's a good, uh, good sort of visibility for you as well. Yeah, but it's, it's just crazy that someone like that would, A, see it and then feel motivated to kind of, you know, retweet it and say, you know, this is something worth watching. So, but kind of bizarre that it was, you know, someone like him. You know? yeah. <laughs> but great, you know, and then the likes of Henry Winter from the Times as well, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, I guess. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when, you know, someone like that, you know, gets behind it as well. It's, yeah. um, Makes it yeah, all worthwhile. It, it kind of does, mm. yeah. I mean, mm. it's, you know, first and foremost, as, as I said, like you want the Saints fans to like it because that's, you know, that's, that's the most important thing. And if it breaks out beyond that, then, then great. And, you know, we didn't really expect it to again, but it's yep. just, um, and full credit to, to the guys at Mischief because that, you know, that's what they do well that, you know, to kind of, I think both in their, their kind of, um, nugget of the, the idea at the start, thinking that it would cause a few waves and, and then the way they kind of pushed it out there and, and got people talking about it was, was fantastic. And, um, I guess one thing that you kind of need. I think to, for it for it to really fly is some people to really dislike it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just gets a conversation going. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, I think if you just put something out that everyone loves, it's it's probably not interesting enough. Mm, do you know what mm. I mean? It's got to be something that some people are going to react against, and then that that leads, you know, because I think you probably get more views when someone says this is absolute garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then say, oh, what's he talking about? And then they'll go and watch it, and then you know they might actually like it, and then pass it on. Yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, football's a game of opinion, so you kind of want the same thing with this sort of thing, don't you? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you get the the odd dig in there at the Liverpools of this world and the, <laughs> the Portsmouth, so yeah. that always helps. Absolutely, so. absolutely. No, fantastic production, so, you know, absolutely massive credit to you and the, the guys at Mischief PR, and I think uh, as Saints fans, arguably these days, and I'll, I'll keep my views to myself again, it's a game of opinions, but maybe it overshadowed the kit to a certain extent in my view in terms of, you know, at least one of them was a success, but uh, there we go, that's maybe for another day. But just finally, James, um, you know, as I mentioned, I know you're a massive Saints fan as well, so... In terms of next season under Ralph, excited, nervous, a bit of both, realistic? What, what What's your sort of feelings about where we can go next season? I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, it, the thing that struck me right from the start, from his first press conference and then the way he went about getting rid of some people or putting them out on loan and promoting, you know, the academy likes of Valerie straight in there. Mm. He's just got an incredible confidence and it's not, it, it's very much confidence rather than arrogance. He just kind of has a real belief in his in his judgment and his ability and the other thing he's done so well is is galvanize the team and the fan base and obviously it hasn't been perfect but you know the time since he came in versus pre I mean it's worlds apart in yeah. in, in in almost every way and so yeah i think there's a general feeling that give him a pre-season give him a transfer window and more time just sort of honing the core of uh, of the squad that he wants to build build his kind of vision around and um yeah who knows where we can go next season i mean i think yeah you have to you have to temper it a bit you know with that top six is mm. is pretty much locked down we're yeah, not gonna, yeah. i don't think we're gonna you know gonna be going anywhere near there but every reason to believe we can be around the top half of the table next season and um 
Yeah, and it's just great to see us scoring freely and, you know, and to see the likes of Redmond and Prowse now linking up with the England squad again and they well deserved. And mm. um, it's just great to feel positive going into to next season. Indeed it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, no, as I say, James, um, you know, really appreciate you joining us and uh, certainly you can relax for a few weeks. It does sound like it's been an intensive sort of couple of months or so. So nice to be able to enjoy the summer for a few weeks before the season starts again then. So thanks very much for joining us. Cheers, Ben. Always a pleasure. with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach and Steve Grant. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk Thanks for listening to this episode of Total Saints Podcast. Thanks again to James for joining us and for letting us uh, use some of the clips for this as well. Keep enjoying your break and we'll catch you again soon. Until then, keep marching in. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of Real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.